0: Today's episode is sponsored by FixingYourPodcast.com. If you're a podcaster and you're looking to save some time, why not outsource your editing? FixingYourPodcast.com is a great way to save some time. I worked with Philip, and he was so professional, kind, responsive to all my messages, and I'm super happy with the job he did. So if you're looking to spend a little less time in the editing room and a little more time working on your interview questions or your social media or just kicking your feet up and join the sound, head over to FixingYourPodcast.com. Welcome back to the Gen X Voice podcast. I'm your host, Trish the Dish. I'm looking forward to sharing with you some cool stuff coming your way. Uh, if you haven't done so already, please head over to the Gen X Voice Facebook page and make sure you like it because Saturday, April 10th, I'm going to be doing a live stream with some of my friends that were ravers with me in the 90s in Flagstaff in our undergrad years. So um, that'll be a a super fun time. We're gonna kind of reminisce a little bit about the rave scene in the 90s in um, that small mountain community, as well as take a look at where we all are now, you know, all these years later, 20, 25 years later. So um, tune into that. Um, I'll, I'll also post it, um, as usual as a podcast, um, no editing, just live, just like we do on the live stream, but would love to have you be a part of it so that you can comment, share your own, um, experiences as a raver, um, or, or lack thereof, right? Um, and so, uh, yeah, April 10th, and that'll be 2 p.m. Pacific time, um, Arizona is now on Pacific time, so I'll probably be using that a lot um, more throughout the spring and summer. Um, but yeah, come and hang out with us while we talk about raving. Just kidding. Well, maybe not. Anywho. Also, I'm really excited to announce this summer that I'm going to be doing a pod tour um, virtually, of course, always social distancing, always being safe. That's the Gen X voice way. Um, and so if you happen to be a podcaster listening and you'd like to have me on your podcast this summer, um, send me an email at genxvoice.com. And for the rest of you, I'll just make sure uh, to post every single podcast I'm on. Um, I'm looking for podcasts that I think you all would be interested in. I think this is a great way to network with the podcasting community, um, as well as introduce my listeners and other podcast uh, listeners to each other, right? So um, if you're anything like me, you can never get enough of podcasts. So hopefully this summer we'll bring you to some of your new favorite podcasts. And then you'll get to know a little bit more about me because obviously I talk a lot in my interviews, but um, an opportunity to be interviewed is always great because people tend to dissect and um, get things out of you uh, that, you know, you can't really do as a host. So stay tuned to that. If you are not doing so, be sure you follow my Instagram page at GenX Voice uh, to be updated on all the podcasts that I'll be on this summer. So that's June and July that I'll be doing that. So there's gonna be a little break in the Gen X Voice podcast, while i focus on the tour so um i'll be back um you know my my last episode will air the last week of may and then i'll be back in august with a whole new um season and a whole new um set of um guests and it'll be our year anniversary too so i'm pretty excited about um starting back up in august so again make sure you follow me at uh on the facebook page agenix voice um, and then make sure that you follow the Instagram page at GenX Voice so you can get updated with all the live streams. And probably I'll do some live streams, by the way, during the summer in the midst of my pod tour, just because, um, you know, those are a lot of fun. I really have a great time doing live streams. So, oh, and one more thing, um, Vicki and I are planning on doing some clubhouse Um chats so if you aren't a part of uh, clubhouse and you have an iPhone reach out to me um at genxvoice.com and I'll send you an invite and um, you can be a part of that we're we're probably going to start doing a thing where we kind of recap um, some of the shows of the month um together so that's my boomer friend Vicki um, so make sure you sign up for that too all right so let's get started with this week's episode uh, so man, I just love the connections that Gen X, uh, that Gen Xers make on the internet. I mean, we are just so about internet connections. Um, as you probably all are, all already know, like we were kind of the first to um to really migrate online. Um, back in the 90s. I mean, we were part of chat groups and discussion threads and all kinds of things. And so my guests today are from another podcast, another Gen X-centric podcast called the Untitled Gen X Podcast. And Kate and Lori are so much fun to listen to. They're two very different women um, Gen Xers, of course. Um, but they have such a fun um, podcast because They'll dissect um, albums and movies and um, just cool stuff. Um, More recently, they, at least um, more recently for the recording of this podcast, uh, they uh, did a whole thing on Cabbage Patch Kid and the and the craze that came along with that. So I think you would really like them, um, and I and I think you'll just totally be enamored with them, um, like I was after this interview. So um, here we go, Kate and Lori from the Untitled Gen X Voice Podcast. Enjoy the show. Hi, Kate. Hi, Lori. Hey. Hi. How are you guys doing today? We're good. We're excited
1: to be here, Trish. We are excited. It's been a long time coming.
0: Yeah, it has. My gosh, I'm I'm so stoked that we were able to get our schedules lined up and all the tech stuff figured out, wink, yes. wink. So I know that, um, gosh, we, ah, there's so many things that I want to talk to you guys about. <laughs> I love that you're females that are podcasters. And I love that you're Gen Xer female podcasters. You're the first Gen X female podcasters I've had on the show. I've had some male Gen Xer podcasters. Oh, but- that's exciting. And we're very excited to represent. Yay. So before we get too deep into how rad that is, why don't you tell me what year you were born? And I guess we don't need to ask what generation you identify with because you're... <laughs> (laughs) Podcast is called Entitled Gen X Podcast, but we'll start with you, Lori.
2: Well, both Kate and I were born in 1976, so we deeply identify with Gen X. We are Gen X through and through. Our tagline is made in the 70s, raised in the 80s, unfazed in the 90s.
0: Yes, that is the best tagline, by the way. And <laughs> thank you. I was, I was born in December of 75. Okay. So I went to school with you guys because I, I didn't turn five early enough to be with the kids that were born in 75 in their grade level. So being at the very end of 75, I'm right there with you both, 76. Cause yeah, I
1: think we all graduated the same year. Didn't we in 94? 94? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nin- yes.
0: 94. yeah. Oh my gosh. So that means that, you know, that was, wow. What a pivotal time. Like I think about 1994 and I think about like, I get a little sh- chills because I think about the movies, the music, the fashion, just everything was just I feel like we just kind of were in the perfect moment of all of that. Like it was its own special pocket. And I feel like anyone that was born in Gen X that's a lot older and those that came a couple years later may not have the exact same cultural identifiers that we do. What do
1: you guys think of that? This is so true. This is what I have learned. The level of devastation that you experienced upon learning about Prince's death really reflects whether or not you were in my part of Gen X or not. 100%. Oh my God. And, and, and to be very fair,
0: uh, Michael Jackson, Whitney Houston, I mean, oh, most definitely. Yeah. But of course, Prince was way more because MJ got a little weird. Yeah. He got a little weird, yeah. but Prince stayed as weird as he always was, like there was, he was like the constant, like, oh, he changed his name to a symbol. Yeah, of course he did. Right. (laughs) Like, totally normal. He's crawling around naked. Yeah, of course he is. Um, You know, he, he, he's, he's, he was just always 100% him. And I still don't feel like it's okay that he's gone. (laughs) I really don't.
2: It was a devastating blow. I mean, I feel like this, you know, Graduating in 94, I feel like it was a really special period of time because coming into, you know, the rise of alternative music when we were in high school was sort of everything. Yeah.
0: Nirvana, Smashing Pumpkins, the Cranberries. I mean, Flannels and Doc Martens and, you know, just that and band t-shirts. Like that was 100% my identity through and through, like, yeah, I mean, Kate went to the, not the very
2: first Lollapalooza, but Lollapalooza <gasps> the first year. I don't, wow. I don't think it was the first
0: year.
1: I went was the first year 93.
0: I, I I just read in a book that it was, um it was earlier than I thought, but I think it was 93.
1: Okay, well, it was one of the early ones. It was 94. I think it was 94. I went the year that Rage Against the Machine, like, really upset the promoters of Lollapalooza and I think (laughs) got kicked off the rest of the tour. (laughs) Whoa.
0: I don't remember. I mean, I knew there was drama about them because you don't want to hear something funny though. This is how, uh, this is what a girl I am. I traded my rage against the machine CD for a belly CD. (laughs) <laughs> do you guys remember the band belly i do yeah. i was way more in love with tanya donnelly than i was um you know the lead singer of rage against but Machine. I not, it. To, not to say though that i didn't love that album and played the hell out of it i loved pretty hate machine by nine inch nails um that was also like i warped that tape i had that on cassette <laughs> um but like we, we were starting to see, you know, like throwing muses, like we were starting breeders. We were starting to see these really neat alternative chick bands. And I was like, I'm just not this angry. I'm a <laughs> lot more sensitive.
2: Yeah. I mean, we were talking, we did an episode on Tori Amos and Kate was deep in Tori Amos. And I
1: mean, I came to her a little later, but Kate was hardcore. Oh, yeah. Guys, she, I, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, she was very important to my adolescence. Yes.
0: I got to tell you guys a secret. It's not going to be a secret for long. Do tell. I cannot stand Tori Amos.
1: (gasps) Oh, Trish. There's a group of, you're not alone. It's okay. There are people (laughs) who feel this way. And some, because I think usually they're like, I don't get her. Like, I don't get it. (laughs) It's not that I don't get it. Do you guys remember who Ani DeFranco is? Yes. I love
0: Ani. Right. So there was a little kind they of, fight. they had a fight and, in um, and I, God, the name of the album is on the tip of my tongue, but I discovered Ani before Tori and, um, oh, it's at the tip of my tongue. The cover of the album, she's got braids and she's wearing all black and she's like squat it down. Um, is really, really dark album looking like. Not like the, you know, Plastic Castles where she's like, I got orange hair and i am got this huge smile. Um, like totally different, right? Like post little Affair um, and Sarah McLaughlin. Mm-hmm. Um, but like um, she had a song called Napoleon and it was dedicated to Tori Amos and it was all about her selling out and, you know, oh, just being wined no, and dyed. Yeah, so about Cory
1: Amos, so interesting. Yeah, do you know what song I'm talking about? I do. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So I I always, yeah, I saw that you guys did an episode on that. I was like,
2: oh, I don't think (laughs) you chose your
0: soundtrack. It's okay.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I had no idea there was this whole thing between Ani and and I love them both. So now I'm feeling like a child of divorce.
2: (laughs) Pick a side, Kate. Pick a side.
0: What was that, Lori? We said pick a side, Kate. Pick a (laughs) side. Yeah, yeah. You're either with us or against it. No, I'm just kidding. No, but um, at at any rate, when we were growing up in the '80s, right, like. We had like Madonna and Cindy Lauper. Oh yes. And and Whitney. And maybe Shaw Day, if
1: you were a little, you know, more artsy. If you spent a lot of time at Lori's house, there was a lot of a lot of her being played there. There's a oh lot no. of Shaw Day in house.
2: my dad really loved her and Tracy Chapman. Oh, Tracy Chapman. Oh yeah. yeah. In fact, Kate and I saw Tracy Chapman at Lilith in We did. When
1: was that? Ninety six? Uh, oh, I do you know that I have the shirt hanging in my closet right Shut now. Up. Wow! That's oh my gosh! That can, out. You, can you Instagram. please Instagram that? Yeah, and, sure, and okay. we, we
0: can tag it with this episode because. That is so epic. I didn't have the money to go to Lollapalooza or Lilith Fair. I did get to go to Glastonbury in 99 when REM headlined. And that was very when I was cool. totally into the rave scene. So like Underworld and Peter Oakenfold were all there. Um, and then I got to do Tea in the Park where like um, Stereophonics and Blur. Like it was an amazing Britpop time of music. But let's talk a little bit about how you guys have such a cool history that you would have gone to Lilith Fair together. And for our listeners, maybe even want to explain a little bit what Lilith Fair is, but let's talk about your childhoods first. Like how did you meet each other?
2: Well, Kate and I were both born in 76, like I said, in the summer of 76 in like a new development of houses where there were a lot of very young families. So we lived on a cul-de-sac and Kate was like the first house in the cul-de-sac. There was a house next to her with that had two daughters that were also our age and then me. And it was these three houses full of girls, all the same age. And we grew up together and we played together and we spent the night at each other's houses. Kate's mom even babysat me when I was a baby when my mom went back to work for a period of time. So we have literally known each other our whole lives. And it's pretty cool because we talk about it in another episode, but like We really do share a childhood, the two of us. Like we are, we are as close as sisters, you know, as close as you can be without
1: actually being sisters. So it's been pretty magical. Would you agree, Kate? I would. I mean, it's, it's pretty amazing that like, I don't, I have no memory of my life that doesn't have Lori in it, which is, I think something that almost only happens with siblings a lot of the time. Right. Right. And I think so that's why we have these fun pictures of us as little babies, because my mom stayed at home when we were little and my next door neighbor and then Lori, who was her next door neighbor, both of their moms worked. And so my mom babysat everybody. And so it's just kind of the foundation. And I think it's really special that despite the fact that I have moved all over the country uh, as soon as I turned 18, that we have maintained a friendship and that it's carried through all this time.
0: Oh my gosh, I love that. Lori, it sounds like you might have been an only child. I was an only child. I was Me an only too. child. We're only childs. Unite. Only children. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> only childs. Yeah, we can say whatever we want. We were alone. When everyone else went home and and, and the streetlights came on, we had to sit in a room and figure out how to play Monopoly and life alone. Girl,
2: we learned really early on how to make friends with adults, which is always super mm-hmm. weird to be a yep. kid that communicates with adults really, really well from a young age. We learned how to entertain ourselves. I mean, I don't know, Trish, if you were a latchkey kid, but I, yep, there were definitely, there were periods of my life where I was, de- I had great parents, but they both worked and they had really demanding jobs. Like I was kind of raised on TV, you know, not entirely, but. This is why pop culture is so important to me, because it was always there. You know, TV was always there. Music was always there. And so it's just, it becomes part of your soul.
0: A hundred percent. You know, it's funny that you're talking about how TV raised us and how pop culture is such a, a defining trait for you um, in this era that we grew up. I wonder, Kate, is that the same for you? Having sub- It
1: sounds like you had a sister. Is that right? I, I had a brother. I had an older brother. So A brother. Oh, yeah. okay. And, um, but then, so my mom stayed at home when we were quite young, but then she started working and also went back to school to get a couple of degrees. And so definitely had that sort of latchkey experience. And, um, Yeah. I mean, I had a brother, so, but I have to, I'm sorry to shatter your image of what it was like for those of us who weren't only children, but we really didn't play a lot of Monopoly together after this.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I just fantasize that like we're done playing all day and you guys just go inside and continue playing like all of these great games (laughs) until the wee hours of the night. And like, uh, but it, but it wasn't like that for you when the, when the door closed, it was He well but and he was older, so he probably wasn't as interested in like his kid sister, huh?
1: I mean, we were two years apart, so so we were pretty similar in terms of stuff until you know like and once he could drive and I was like a lowly fourteen year old, then that was a whole different story.
0: Later. <laughs> um, no. You can't you can't even get in my
1: car with me. <laughs> right. No, he was actually very good about that. And he actually, I think, let me drive his car once when he wasn't supposed Ooh! to. Um, <laughs> in a parking lot. But so awesome. Um, so yeah, but I I, I think it's not like we were like, oh, let's play a game instead of sitting and watching TV. Like we totally watch TV and movies and and all kinds of things.
0: So it's basically the same as Lori and I, but we just have this <laughs> yeah, pretty much no other idea <laughs> of like it must be so amazing. Like, I mean,
2: I did nab myself a stepbrother when I turned twelve, so that was pretty cool because he was younger than me, but he was hardcore into Guns and Roses, and he was really my introduction to that genre of music, which just, you know, that was everything for us at a certain point too. So yeah, I did, I did get the brother experience a little bit later than Kate, but
0: yeah, but Kate and I had each other through and through. So that was pretty great. Yeah. I mean, just being neighbors and, and spending so much time together. I mean, that is the best, like, so, um, so you guys, End up just sort of having your lives kind of intersect here and there um, throughout your lives. Obviously, uh, Lilith Fair, which again we have you know listeners from all generations that that tap in to 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 learn a little bit about our generation, the forgotten generation, right? Um, the latchkey kid generation, which I had a boomer on a few weeks ago that said she too was a latchkey kid. She was a daughter of an immigrant family. And so I was like, oh, that's so interesting. If you could explain to someone what Lilith Fair was and what that phenomenon that occurred in the 90s, kind of going back to the little bit earlier part of our conversation, what what would you explain that as?
2: So Lilith Fair was the brainchild of Sarah McLachlan. And Sarah McLachlan, just uh, such a beautiful artist, amazing vocalist beautiful songwriter. So she decided, you know what? I'm going to create a space for female performers to be able to take the stage and we're going to headline our own series of concerts all over the world. I actually don't know if it was all over the world or if it was all over the US. I suspect it was all over the world, but I mean, she had everyone. When we saw Lilith, we saw Jewel and Tracy Chapman and Paula Cole And uh, Meredith Brooks was there. Of course, Sarah
1: McLachlan. Am I missing anyone, Kate? Indigo Girls. Indigo Girls. I did not know that she would become one of my favorite artists many, many years later. Dar Williams was there as well. Dar Williams. And
2: other artists joined the tour, like depending on where the tour was going. So it wasn't always the same lineup. So I believe we saw Lilith in 96 at an outdoor festival and you know we saved up our pennies <laughs> we were working you know little jobs making little money but this was one of those things we were in college and it was just the movement of the singer songwriter at that period in the 90s and we were in college and i was completely obsessed with jewel i was obsessed with jewel probably as much as anybody could be i even have a signed Picture of her. It's now hanging oh. in my garage. Sorry, Jewel. It's hanging in my garage, but it still is framed and it is hanging. It's not in my room, but it's in my
0: garage. That's so
2: neat.
0: So, <laughs> like, oh, Pieces of that. You
2: was an album that I mean, God, I, I must have ruined that album. Kate and I, Kate has been a writer since forever, but like after Jewel wrote her book on poetry, I was like, Kate, let's you know, I'm going to start writing poems now, just like Jewel. Let's combine our poems into a book that we're going to get published. And we went so far as to combine our poems. We never did that. I've been talking to Kate about the possibility of throwing them up on the old blog or maybe starting a little Patreon where we um, do dramatic readings of our poems. I don't really know what we're going to do yet, if anything. I
0: I feel like you definitely should do do that. (laughs) Or are you kidding me? Oh my gosh. And (laughs) listeners, once they throw out their socials, follow them, tell them they must do this. I'm just saying. Um, (laughs) That sounds like an amazing idea. And it's, um, and I just love this like connection that you guys have carried all these years um, through childhood. That's what I was going to say. I was, I was
2: just going to say like, so even from, you know, way back when I always wanted to just Keep my wagon hitched to Kate because she really is somebody that is so special in my life. And she's such a talent. She has such an incredible voice and she's an amazing writer. And this podcast has just been so fun because, if nothing else, it's been a way for us to document our stories and our childhood and our growing up. And, you know, we are very, very different people, the two of us. And yet, in spite of all of that, there's just so much love between us and it, it makes for a, a good time. Like I, we crack ourselves up if nothing else, but it's just, we're so different and yet we share so much history, so.
1: Right, and I think that I I feel like particularly at this time in the world, having two people who really are different, but have a shared history and can come together on the things that we have in common is a really beautiful example to set, uh, and so I'm appreciative that we have the opportunity to do that, and I, and we do it in a really fun way, right? We're not like, okay, now we're setting a good example, um,
0: <laughs> right? Right. A very right. Special episode. It's <laughs> unintentional. It's an unintentional thing because there have been moments where I'm like, oh gosh, are they going to get into it right now? Like, but. <laughs> <laughs> but but you don't obviously um but it's pretty funny like um i'm i'm thinking specifically about the reality bites episode oh, yeah. in which you dissect reality bites and there's this huge division between you two and Troy. (laughs) Yes. yes.
2: And Kate said like, this is why you don't like any of the guys that I ever date. And I'm like, that's not true. But we come to these things with very different points of view. Like I've been married, I I can't even do this math now, 23 years and I have two kids and Kate's she hasn't been married. She doesn't have children. I profoundly single. She's profoundly single. <laughs> Same.
0: Never married, no kids. I'm right there with you, Kate.
2: Yeah. I mean, she's lived this whole different life than I've lived and her experiences are so radically different from mine. And yet it's so interesting to hear her point of view because it's just so contrary to mine often. And she helps me see things in ways that i wouldn't otherwise have the opportunity to see them. i think kate definitely makes me have a much more open mind than i would normally have. i really do.
1: i think though that like that that is reciprocated because i think because of you i'm able to understand i mean i it's no secret that i'm a very very liberal person and so knowing people who aren't as liberal as i am is really helpful For me to understand other perspectives and and kind of have a finger on the pulse of that, and so I think that that is the beautiful thing about knowing people who are different from you is that you get to learn different ways of looking at the world, and you can also agree sometimes to just disagree that you're not going to see things similarly. So yeah, and I I don't know, but mostly it's really just fun, and we love having the opportunity to kind of connect with each other um, each week when we record and you know, look back over. I, we had a lot of good times together. It's really, I think sometimes it's easy to take for granted having a friend that you've known your whole life and that you've been really close to until you start to talk to other people. And they're like, oh, I just realized that me and my oldest friend have known each other for like six years. And you're like, oh, Whoa, that's wow! <laughs> you <know? laughs> you're just
0: getting started. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs>
2: no shade to that either because people no. can come into your life and those can be some really deep connections but you know it's i knew kate's mom i knew kate's mom before she got sick and passed away you know kate was 12 when she lost her mom kate knew my parents married and together before they got a divorce when i was 12 i mean we were going through really hard things sort of at the same time and you know, we have had so many great times and we have had so many really, really hard times too. So I, I think it it kind of takes both experiences to build a really solid and lasting friendship.
0: Yeah, definitely. My gosh. Yeah, that is, uh, 12 years old was when I ran away from home. I don't know what was going on in 1988, y'all, but it was a yeah, terrible, terrible year so, wow, that's, that's really crazy that we all three had these like really epic life changes. Cause I ended up, I went from a foster home into um, living with my grandparents, just never lived with my mom again. It was a terrible situation. So, I'm um, so sorry. Wow, that's a big
2: life change. Right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's a hard time to take on, you know, a really big, profound change in your life. I mean, it's,
1: it's a very pivotal moment. Yeah. It's such a it's a pivotal time in your life and then to have really hard things. And now that I'm thinking about it, like I can think of like at least three other people that I knew, you know, around my same age that had the same kind of issues go on around 12. I don't know what that's about.
0: I'm telling you, it must've
1: been 1988.
0: And I know you guys are Guns N' Roses fans, but, it was the ju- it was the jungle, man. Stuff was happening. You had meth really became a thing on the streets. And, um, you know, I know we had the next generation um, Star Trek, but gosh, I don't remember really liking a lot of TV during that time, um, except for MTV. Like, I, uh, you know, whenever I had an opportunity to watch MTV, I lived inside of it. Um, yes. but yeah, didn't have it with my grandpa. So it was a little harder, but, um, you know, Roseanne, um, that was a big TV show, the Simpsons. I mean, these are really dark shows, quote unquote, not like silver spoons and like family ties, like that we grew up with and grind paints. These were really dark and kind of grungy shows that we, and Beavis and Butthead, you know? <laughs> right? It's so funny that you say that, Trish, because I would say
2: that Kate and I both, tell me if you disagree, Kate, really gravitated to irreverent humor and dark humor at that time. Like we did an episode about Heathers. We went back and revisited it and oh. we were like, what the hell? How? It was actually a really hard rewatch. And we were like, we loved Loved this movie when we were Same. kids. We thought this was the greatest thing in the world. And now, going back as an adult, Oof, yeah. And with all that has happened since, you watch it with a different eye. And I mean, I think that we both kind of were like, okay, grittier, harder. This is what we're into. Like,
1: I don't know if it made us feel more adult or more seen. I, I don't know what it was. I think that when you are going through challenging times, seeing that reflected in the media around you sort of helps you feel a little more normal. Mm-hmm. You know, versus like, if everybody's just happy all the time, it doesn't, you feel a little alienated. Like, oh, there's this whole world that I have, I'm not part of right now.
0: Which I think that's why that the music that really started um, coming out of, like, must've been that way everywhere because Nirvana came out around 1987, right? but really blew up around 93. And and that's still like a pretty dark period. You know, I'm I'm reading this book called Gen X Saves the World. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It came out in like 2009, I think. But reading it is is so interesting because the writer is about 10 years older than us. But he talked about how there was this sort of like anti, well, obviously anti-establishment was basically at the heart of what kind of is the Gen X signifier, more so than I'm a latchkey kid, I care about the environment, because boomers and millennials can latch onto that and say that there's like, that's their identity too. But when you think about the films that were coming out when we were in college, Pulp Fiction, Fight Club, American Beauty, you had these really, and Reality Bites. Okay, so Reality Bites, Bites is a little bit more popcorn, but but there's some darkness in that one too. It's a lighter way of saying, I don't want to follow what my parents do and have a soulless life and just be materialistic and live in these cookie cutter houses But gosh, at the end of the day, um, and I think, I think, uh, Laura, you might have pointed this out, like you, you have to make money and you, sometimes you have to kind of, um, you got to pay the rent. And, and I never even thought about some of the other characters in the movie as deeply as how you guys dissected it until you kind of said that.
2: Yeah. I mean, we see this, like even the writer of Reality Bites, Helen Childress, she wanted to be a poet. And she's like, you know what, I need to make some money. And so like in this really sort of meta fashion, she writes Reality Bites. And we see, you know, the character that you would think wouldn't be the one that would like you know, follow a more traditional path to success. Vicky working at the Gap, you know, Vicky's not the girl that wants to work at the Gap, but she's working at the Gap because that's what she has to do to pay the bills. She's making it work. Whereas Lainey, (laughs) she's making it work, work, you know, she's doing it. And Lainey is, you know, trying to hold on to her principles so much that she can't get a job outside of, you know, what she went to school for. And here, then you have, you know, Troy, lovely Troy Dyer, sleeping on a couch saying, I'm not going to work, you know, on the line for 20 years for the man. I'm not going to do it. But here he is sleeping on a couch. So it's like, where do you draw the line in terms of, you know, at a certain point, like Kate said in that, in our episode, like you want to be able to, you know, get in a car that drives. Like you you need to be able to pay your rent. Like these are things that need to happen. So it is a push pull. It's, it's difficult. And we all find ourselves there to varying degrees, especially at that point when that movie came out in 94 as young adults. I mean, Kate was living on her own at 18. I was not, but Kate was feeling it more than, certainly more than me.
1: Yeah. Well, and as somebody who I think, you know, didn't want the cookie cutter house and all of those things, there have been moments in my life where I'm like, oh, but you know, like you never have to fight for a parking space to bring your groceries in. And, mm. you you know, you have a really nice <laughs> you have story. room for your laundry. <laughs>
0: and like, um, a room that people can sleep in when they visit you. Right. right. Not the what? You know,
1: there are things, it's, it's all a trade-off. And it just comes down to what feels like the best choice for you. And I lived a few months of my life, probably like Troy Dyer and many more like Lainey. And, you know, and then a a whole lot like Vicky, but I think it just is what works best for, you know, some people that would have made them miserable to, you know, not have a solid place to call home for a couple months or something like that.
0: You know, the only time I ever felt concerned about my, my sort of bohemian lifestyle of just living all over the world and all over the country, living on many couches yeah, I, I think it sounds better. I think it just sounds better than like, I'm just a vagrant. <laughs> um, <laughs> it, it, it sounds really
2: sexy, like I'm here for yeah. it. I like it. Well, I,
0: I was really proud of what I was doing. And I, you know, I wanted to suck the marrow out of life. I always talk about that on the podcast, like Dead Poets Society was like, oh, loved, loved that movie. Same. But, but really took that stuff to heart, like, right? Like um, every, everything about being against the grain Was such a big part of my identity. And it wasn't until I was 40 and I moved to Phoenix, I started hanging out with all these people that had these really pretty homes that were like my age and younger. And they were remodeling their kitchens and they were, you know, in half million dollar homes and could go out to eat all the time and had all this food in their pantries that um, I actually um, went to therapy. Um, because I was like, oh shit, what have I done? I have nothing to show for my life. But she was such an amazing therapist. She said, you didn't care all these years. Why do you care now? And I was like, oh, but that doesn't mean that I'm just going to quit my job now whenever I feel like it, because now I'm like, okay, 45, like Probably should stick this one out. Like, <laughs> it's been six years now. Like, okay, maybe, maybe I don't want to keep looking.
1: Right. Well, that's like, I've moved so much during the, I, I like your term, the bohemian phase of my life. And I just finally am like, I'm done. I don't want to move anymore. <laughs> so, right.
0: Um, yeah. Mostly tired. He's yeah. Tired. Exactly. Yeah.
1: <laughs> like, I'm good. I'm just going to stay here. Luckily, I landed in a nice spot.
0: (laughs) Same.
2: But it's interesting because I think that no matter what, you know, choice you choose, you will have periods inevitably in your life where you look at someone else and and think, oh, I wish I had that. Like Kate's lived all over the U.S. She's lived abroad and she's, you know, seen some things and done some shit. and, And it's like, wow, you know, I have... Lived in California my entire life. I've been married all these years. I took a very traditional route. I have two children and I wouldn't give any of that up. I really, really wouldn't. But you think to yourself, there's this whole other life. There's this whole other world out there that, you know, I didn't choose. I don't know what that life is like. Like that might be fun for a minute. You know, but but that's not a choice that I made. And and I don't have regret, but I think that it's only natural, no matter what you choose in your life, to look at others and think, huh, wonder how I would have done
0: in that situation. Wonder what my life would have been like. Very sliding doors. It's very oh my sliding God. doors. Another amazing Gen X movie um, that came out in, oh, a, yes. in a really interesting time in our, all of our lives. But see, Lori, this is what I was thinking of when I was listening to the Reality Bites episode of your podcast, like... I, Kate, you're so lucky. Like Lori is like this sage. Um, you you've, you're such a pragmatic person. Like I'm 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 very impressed oh, yeah. with that. She <laughs> like, is. Like
1: she gives me the best advice. And truth be told, I take advice from very few people. Like there are very few people that I will be like, oh yeah, you raise a good point. And like Lori, I yes, I seek her out for advice, and she. The beautiful thing about Lori's advice is Lori doesn't give you the advice that like she would take, right? She doesn't give you the advice that would be good for her life in that moment. She gives you the advice that like knowing you is good for you in that moment, which is really an amazing thing, and very few people can do it, and I appreciate it wildly.
2: Wow, Kate! Aww. That is so nice. My it's God, this is cool. like a love letter.
0: <laughs> oh, that's so <sighs> great. I'm so glad you guys could come on my podcast and do it here. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, it's like really sweet. I'm I'm a little clamped. Well, so I guess that brings me to like why why a podcast? Why now? Um, did you start it during the pandemic and you guys were feeling lonely? Like, what was the story that 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 got you guys doing that?
1: You want to tell it, Kate? Uh, well, I can I can tell it from my side, and you can add in what you <laughs> okay. want. I well, so. only hope it to be that okay. way. <laughs> <laughs> right. Let's see if our right. stories match. So, Lori had been like working on a podcast idea with someone else. Uh, so I had kind of heard about it here and there. And then one day she called me and, 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 and things had not worked out with that for like, just because life sometimes happens. She called me and she's like, I have this idea. And she was kind of nervous to pitch the idea to me. And I was like, what is she going to, what is she about to ask me? Um, (laughs) (laughs) And then when she told me, I was like, Oh, that sounds fabulous. Um, Yeah. I mean, it was,
2: it was in the pandemic. Like Kate and I communicate on this app called Marco Polo.
0: Have you heard of it? I don't think I have. Maybe, I don't know. There's so many out there. Yeah. So this is like a video messaging
2: app. So you basically leave like really, really long extended video messages for people. Like sometimes Kate will leave me a 40 minute. Wow. She, yeah, and, and depending on what's going on, I might leave one just as long. So we just talk a lot, and you record it. You know, whenever you're free, and if you are available, you can watch it in real time, or you can catch up with it later. So it's really great. So Kate had moved at the start of the pandemic, and she's you know in a new space, and she doesn't have friends where she's at, and
1: she's you it know surprisingly hard to make friends mid pandemic. Who yeah, knew? Oh <laughs> my gosh! Right. right?
2: like so hard. So like she's, you know, we're both bored, homebound. I'm like, I got to start this thing. I was a blogger and writer before I started this podcast. So I'm kind of used to being out there in the public space. And so many bloggers have moved to podcasting. So this was something that was on my radar for a while, but I was almost just too scared to do it. I was too scared to pull the trigger on it myself. So it was something that I wanted to do with someone that I really trusted. And so Kate's looking for something to do. I'm looking for a new way, you know, to have, to be creative and I want to learn some things. I didn't know anything about podcasting like at all. And I'm like, hey, so what if we did this thing? Like, What if we told our stories against the backdrop of pop culture, the pop culture of our youth, the things that really shaped us, scared us, traumatized us, empowered us, all of it what if we did this thing together as best friends? And she's like, yeah, I'm here for it. I'm into it. And and that's how it started. I mean, it was just, it was as simple as that. So it was just a series of Marco Polos. We're talking to each other all the time anyway. Let's sit down for an hour once a week and talk about, you know, stupid things or important things or everything in between. Let's record it and let's have it. This is, this is basically our love letter, not only to pop culture and Gen X, but to our friendship, it's a way to archive it.
1: And and that's how,
2: th- that was the start of it.
1: And I think too, we were, despite the fact that sometimes we do get into like nitty gritty things and uh, topics. Like Groundhog
2: day, Kate? <laughs> yeah, sorry.
1: Uh,
2: <laughs> We did an episode
1: on Groundhog Day that got hella deep. It also happened in Sleepless in Seattle. Um, Yes, that got surprisingly deep as well. uh, Yeah. But our intention was to really, because it was just such a heavy time that we started this, we just wanted something that was sort of light and fun and, you know, that people could kind of like rally around and feel good about and not sort of highlight the heaviness of the time.
2: Yeah. So we started in November 20. November, 2020. Mm. Um, Yeah. I mean, it was, it was a heavy time, (laughs) if you remember. I mean, it's been heavy since. It was heavy before. It's been heavy since. But like, it was a particularly heavy time. And so it was like, we just need to like, I don't know, have some fun. And, and so this is what came out of it. And it, it's been awesome.
0: Well, yeah, I've got to say, um, one of the first episodes I listened to you, uh, your podcast was the uh, U2 Joshua Tree album. Um, um, and yeah. I was so impressed with the, the, um, the amount of information that you shared and even some things. Girl, I was so
2: stressed. That was a stressful one. Like I wanted to do Joshua Tree so much justice. Like a case, like, calm down.
1: <laughs> it's like, we cannot be experts on you too. That's not our goal here. I felt
2: the heaviness of that. I felt the pressure and need to pay appropriate homage.
0: Like, whoa. Yeah,
2: I take this shit seriously, like for real. I just gotta say,
0: <laughs> I was living in Joshua Tree, California, um, when that album came into my life in yes. 1988. Actually,
1: amazing. Um, and see, there was one good thing that happened in 1988. Well, <laughs> didn't it come
0: out in '87 though?
1: Oh, oh it, it did. did. It came
0: out in '87. So, sorry, it 1988. Did. Fail. Still, yeah. Violator. <laughs> yeah. Violator yeah. came out in '88. So, I mean, that was also. Uh, on in my walkman, but one thing that I, I have to confront you two about, um, you 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 broke my heart uh. because um those of us in Joshua Tree had this whole thing that the song where the streets have no name was be, was about our community because we had so many dirt roads and you know in high school you would be like okay Turn left on the third dirt road, past the Joshua tree, before the boulder, and then um, you'll see us. And like, when you all said that it was something to do with 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 something in Ireland, I I mean, my whole body, I was walking my dog and my whole body just like. You're like, joking. no. Here, I'm
1: going to make you feel better about this. I have no okay, idea. Okay, do it. True, <laughs> I think you should go with it perhaps the reason they decided to call the album Joshua Tree is that they recognized that there were similarities between your town and this town in Ireland that they had originally written this song about.
0: Ah! Wow. You did not see my face right there because (laughs) this isn't a video, but I just went and looked to the side and just kind of Bent my head down a little and was like, "Oh man, that's that's it. That's that's, that's you that's know." It. And she
2: tells it with I such resonated. authority. This is why we locate. She she can like honestly, she she can say anything with with like a sense of authority and a zen like quality in her voice that I just do not possess, and <laughs> and you just believe it. And you're like, "Yes, you're right, one hundred percent." Okay
0: fine. Yeah. There's definitely a wisdom in both of you at, in different ways. So Lori, again, you seem like so pragmatic and you're just like, of course, (laughs) of course he's a shitty guy, you know, like da la la. Whereas Kate, you have this more, uh, like Lori said, you have more of like, um, like a lulling voice about, you know, your Zen quality. It's like pragmatism versus just Zen and it works so well. And it's such a great podcast. And, um, and, and uh, absolutely you did justice to, uh, you too. I mean, I, I well, was hanging you. on every word of what <laughs> you were saying and d- down to the whole, like, I kind of look at Bono differently now that he like kissed random people on the streets. And in, in that one <laughs> video, um, like lucky lady, that's um that was kind of weird, right? <laughs> and like like you said like there's there's so many things from our cultural generation, I guess I could word it that way, that is like totally okay in the time, but now looking back with the sort of um without the filter of like what's acceptable because Um, Our millennial counterparts have done such a great job of like using a microphone to scream injustice, but as so has a lot of Gen Xers, let's be honest. The the women who started Black Lives Matter are Gen X. And, um, you know, you've got people in the government right now that are Gen X, Stacey Abrams is Gen X. There's so many Gen Xers, but, um, I feel like we are whittling things around on the sides and it's the millennials that come out and go, yeah, black lives matter. Yeah. Like, um, it says <laughs> so much more hardcore than us, but, um, it, it is so interesting that we, um, that we, like Heathers, like we, I can't believe that it's still on Hulu, um, with, with all the mass, you know, the mass shootings in schools. And yeah, things. it's, yeah, it, we, we
2: encountered this a lot more than I thought we would. I mean, I guess it makes perfect sense, right? A lot of these things we have not watched or listened to since we were young. And so you go back and you are excited for it. You're like, this is going to be great. I remember loving it. This is going to be amazing. And it's not. Like, you know, the jokes, they aren't funny. They're offensive. Or what's happened in the world since has made what was once satire, you know, now a reality, a harsh reality. And so it's, it is interesting to go back and revisit everything you
1: thought you loved
2: because it doesn't look the same now.
1: Yeah. yeah it's, it's, things have not, a lot of things have not aged well. And <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's it's it. been really hard to get back and be like, oh, oh yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, there's some really icky things that were just so normalized. And for sure. But at the same time, like, um, what, what, it, there's, there's a joke on, um, on this Gen X group that I follow, uh, like a meme, it probably went viral everywhere else, but it was like, um, you know, you're, your kid wants to watch a movie and you're like, oh yeah, totally. I love this movie. Oh, and it. then five yes. minutes in, you're like, nope, 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 no, 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 no. So this is inappropriate. Um, <laughs> so inappropriate. Like, so Lori, as a parent, do you find yourself doing that all the time? Yeah, I do. I mean, not as much now because I have a
2: 13 year old and an 18 year old, but certainly when my 18 year old was younger, I was like, you have to watch all the 80s movies. This is an important part of education. This, you know, you have a Gen X parent, you must know. And so, you know, it was like Breakfast Club, Pretty in Pink, you know, say anything. It was, you know, all of that. And there were things I was like, oh, oh, this is uncomfortable. I, I kind of forgot. I kind of forgot because I don't know, those scenes maybe didn't make so much of an impression on me at the time, or I don't know. I just... I remember things so fondly and yet I go back and I'm like, ooh, that's not appropriate or don't repeat that or, you know, don't think because I'm showing you this thing that I'm certainly okay with everything that's in it because some of it really falls flat or is just downright offensive now and and I wouldn't want you, you know, thinking that this was okay even though I'm showing it to you. So yeah, it happens, but still I feel like It's the responsibility, if you will, of every Gen X parent to clue their kids in on the awesome pop culture of our youth because it was good stuff. Like, I'm famous in the car for turning on the radio and being like, who sings this? Like, it's important (laughs) to me. You know, yeah. Like, who is this? My kids like have three stock answers. It's always like, you two, David Bowie, or Tom Petty. Like, they always (laughs) think it's one of those three. Hey, but that's okay. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's important. So it's, <laughs> I feel like you need to know this, like you need to know Guns N' Roses and you need to know Pearl Jam. And even if it's not their vibe and they're not into it, at least they know it. Like, don't be the kid that's wearing the band t-shirt
0: and you don't even know what they sing. Like, have you seen <laughs> those shirts? They're so hilarious. Listen, like, listen, I had a student, I was a high school French teacher for a while and I had this student wear a Ramon shirt. And she came up to my desk because she was working on a final and I was kind of editing it. And I look over and I was like, wow. I said, that's like one of my all-time favorite bands. And she goes, oh, this is a band?
1: Oh, Oh,
0: stop.
1: (laughs) I have a funny
2: story
0: about a Ramones t-shirt too. Okay, well, let let me finish this one real fast. So I turned turned to her and I said, listen, this is what I'm going to tell you. I said, "Um, never wear a shirt that you don't know what it is and especially if you buy it at Hot Topic, assume it's probably a band. (laughs) I said, and what I want you to do, because this was right before summer break, I said, what I want you to do is I want you to look up the Ramones and I want you to listen to this music. And do you know what? She came back in the fall and she came right up to my desk and she goes, oh my gosh, the Ramones is now my favorite band of all time. And I was like, thank you. Don't
2: Everyone I do that, that again. That. <laughs> I love that. We got to teach so them. My, right. yeah, hey, they got to learn, right? They got to yes. learn. My husband has this Ramones t-shirt. He wore it all the time. Trish, when I say all the time, there was a period where I did not have a picture of of him
1: not wearing it. It
2: was like, it didn't matter where we went. It was
0: really soft.
2: I think that was part of it. Oh, yeah. It didn't matter where we went. He was always wearing the shirt. So I was like, you and this freaking shirt, man. He's like, what? I love the Ramones. It's a soft shirt. I like it. I wear it. So we went on vacation and we were in Sedona with the family. And We were talking about the shirt. I don't know. He's wearing the shirt again. And my son at the time was 13, my older son. He's like, yeah, dad, you wear that shirt a lot. Like who, like nobody even knows who the Ramones are. I'm like, (gasps) "Um, excuse me, you don't know who the Ramones are. People know. He's like, no, they don't. People my age don't know. Okay, so he had just said this. Then we go into an ice cream shop in Sedona and there's these teenage girls in there. And they turn to my husband and go, oh my God, I love the Ramones. Yes. And they were they were cute girls, like cute teenage girls. And I went, oh, <gasps> and I pointed to my son, like right in front of them. He was so horrified. And I was like, see, kids your age know, they know, it's you who doesn't know. We're listening to the Ramones all the way home from Sedona. And it was just, it was so funny because it was like, yeah, people, kids wear these shirts, like, Oh, cool shirt, cool graphic, but it's like no, you need to know this is important.
0: <laughs> well, it would be like w- one of us just getting like a shirt, like oh, that's a cute anime, or that's it that's a really interesting right. um, shirt. That would kill and my
2: son, he loves anime. That would kill him if I was like, oh, cute characters. I'm gonna wear this little shirt. Yeah, he'd right? be like, do you know who that is? <laughs> I'm <laughs> not unified.
1: even like enough to know like what the kids are into that I would accidentally wear to upset them
0: <laughs> well yeah, just go to a hot topic and just pretend like you're the opposite of that high school girl and just pick up a shirt and be like that's cute I'll just wear that and and just see what happens maybe that's a challenge for all of us right to do to, to, to do I this love thing it and just feel no I could never I'm just so against <laughs> that um I don't know but uh, I just uh I really uh, think that your podcast is, is so great and such a, such worth a listen. And I just love the fact that you, um, that you guys put so much into it. And, and, and like you were saying, like, I didn't want to get it wrong. Kate, how long do you spend prepping for an episode? Okay. And how do so, you come
1: up with the ideas? So here's where the truth comes out. So we, to come Kate, up with the don't ideas, say it. What? Don't say it. No, Never- Uh, Oh, oh! Should we not pull back the curtain? (laughs) (laughs) I have no shame. Um, Like, I'm Lori is such the driver of this podcast in so many ways. Like, she, you know, the inspiration for it was her idea. Um, She, I have no idea how to edit a podcast. So, if not for her, every lame thing that I say would (laughs) make it across the airwaves, Um, and. So, she, and, and we, we agreed to this because I yes. have a, a job that keeps me very, very busy. So it's hard for me to, to have a ton of extra time. So it's not like, you know, she's doing all this work and had no idea she was getting into it, but, but she really does do a lot of the work. And, and so, so much of the research is really driven by her and she's meticulous about it. She's amazing. And so, so I always make the joke that I just show up and talk, which is not entirely true. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's not entirely true. Uh, it I do. like you bring, you bring your own knowledge, Kate. Yeah. And I mean, I do do the, you know, the pre work of, of watching, rewatching whatever we're going to talk about and taking notes. And then sort of if something, you know, strikes me and I decide to, to look something up about it, I will, but I, I can't possibly take credit uh, for the amount of work that Lori puts into it to really make it the show that it is.
0: These love notes that you guys are giving each other on this podcast today is so, it's so awesome. I love it. Um, (laughs) Well, ladies, why don't you um, tell the listeners where they can find you all your socials. Let's plug everything now. Okay, great. So we're on the web at
2: the podcast.com and it's fun. You can find all of our episodes there. You can subscribe. We have a blog. All of our memes that we create are there. Uh you could see pictures of Kate and I as little babies and kids
1: Awkward and teenagers.
2: pre pre-pup- <laughs> Yes, you can see us with like questionable perms. Yeah, Eighties it's all bangs. there. It's all there. Oh, so many 80s bangs. Yes, it's all there and we are primarily on Instagram and Facebook at the untitled gen X podcast and we love talking to you guys we love show ideas we love emails you can
0: email us at untitled gen X podcast at gmail.com perfect well here's one thing I'm gonna I'm gonna challenge you to um, if you haven't done it already and I I can't imagine that you have because it's kind of an obscure um, Gen X movie, but my friend, um, who I'm actually about to interview in a couple hours, he said that Kicking and Screaming was the quintessential Gen X movie, way more so than Reality Bites, kind of in the same vein. So I'm going to... I feel like I've heard of it. We're going to have to have do to
1: some look, recon on this, I don't feel like this, I know Trish. this, but maybe I do, and I just don't know that I, I, know, I know it really like to hear
0: what your thoughts are. Um, especially because, um, Parker Posey's in it. Oh, I love yes. her. Hold that thought. <laughs> come back to me. Um, I definitely want to know, um, or if you want to bring me on too, I would love to talk about it with you oh, guys. Because that. I first. have some ideas about that. So okay. just kind of throw that out there. Since you said you love ideas there you go. And, Ray, if you're listening, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is a Will Ferrell film. Well, uh, no, 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 no. This is an art. Okay, there is, I mean, what, what? <laughs> there there is a Will, Will Ferrell, Ferrell film called it's kicking and screaming. Uh, yeah, that would be like a totally awkward. That's a different okay. <laughs> that's a different alternate reality that you just opened up. Um no, it's it's gonna be a little a little darker and it I believe it came out also in 94, if not 95. Oh, I see. 95. 95. Okay. I okay. found it.
2: Yes. Making a note.
0: Yeah, okay. Not
2: the kicking and screaming with Will Ferrell.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't realize there was one until you said I was like, wait, that does really sound like a Will Ferrell's <laughs>
1: <laughs> He's really known for his dark artsy films.
0: Uh, well, yeah. You
1: know. <laughs> oh, my
0: gosh. Well, ladies, um, I'm so happy that like that you guys came on the podcast i just love hearing your story i love the the just the synergy and the love and and compassion and respect you have for each other coming from different sides of the spectrum of beliefs and ways that you've lived and that is such a great message to the world that you can have people from different ideals and still find a way like i said you have those moments where i'm like oh god what's going to happen but but you you work through them so lovingly and so respectfully that it's not really it just makes for good listening, honestly. Oh, it, thank it really you, Trish. Does. That means
2: a lot. We're really big fans of your podcast too. <gasps> oh. And it has been so exciting to be here. We're like, we love Trish,
1: she's so bad and it, Well, and also oh. I was like, She's my people because she is also single and childless and in her forties. I'm like. <laughs> uh, I choose
0: to say child free because okay. it was a choice. Yes, thank you. Um, just going to point that out there. But yeah, Kate, I I see you. I see you. But now we've gotten to the point in the in the podcast, and don't think that I'm just. Talking this fast because I want to get to this part. I'm just blushing a little and kind of <laughs> <laughs> awkward transition. Um, no, thank you guys so much. That means so much to me too. But we're gonna do the rapid fire question section Ooh, of the okay. podcast. Are you guys ready? I'm
1: excited?
0: Yes. Yes, we are so good at lightning rounds. Yes, I'm so excited. Okay, I'm gonna start with you, Kate, and then Lori, and that's how we'll go. Okay. Okay.
1: No pressure. Yes no pressure. What's your favorite memory from childhood? Okay, I'm going to cheat on this one a little bit. And I'm going to conglomerate a whole bunch of memories is that we lived out on a cul-de-sac with a bunch of kids, but especially me, Lori, and our the next door neighbor we had in common. And just so many times of bike riding and like lip syncing and choreographing and all kinds of stuff. And it was amazing and idyllic and great.
2: Yeah. So Kate stole my answer. That's exactly my answer. Okay.
1: It's- that was
0: actually a trick question because you guys, if you didn't say each other was your favorite part of childhood, I was going to be like, God, these guys suck. Tell us, damn, they're not really good friends. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Well then what's your favorite 80s band or musician,
1: Kate? Uh, so I, I mean, I loved all things Madonna in the 80s. Like that was just that was my truth. Yep, guilty. Oh, my turn.
2: Um, yeah, it was. It was Madonna for me too. I mean, so quintessential eighties, right? Like she, she was it. She was it for me in the eighties. But we, we really did love our hair metal too. We really, yeah, and really later did. Later eighties, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, later 80s, we loved our Skid Row. We loved our Bon Jovi and Guns N' Roses. Lori,
0: I'm going to start with you this time just to see if Kate says the exact same answer as she... <laughs> okay. will see. I'm going to give her a, ch- a chance to be like, I was going to say that. What's your
2: favorite 80s movie? Okay, I think this is where we might actually disagree. Um, the Karate Kid in 198. I think it was 84... That movie like did something to me. It affected me so deeply. I literally burst out into tears at the end of that movie. My parents oh. were like, what is wrong with you? Yeah, that was my
1: movie. Wow. We watched it a lot. I watched a lot of Karate Kid at Lori's house, for sure. Yeah, Not my favorite <laughs> movie. I didn't dislike it, but it was not quite as transformative transformative for me as it was for Lori this so I'm pretty sure this was an 80s movie it might it's it was late 80s possibly uh some kind of wonderful and it continues to oh. be very dear to my heart until this day
0: a good one. wow okay something you guys differ on okay uh-huh. so um then Lori I'll go back to you again okay. why did you go to college
2: um because I was Basically, always told that I was going to go to college. I mean, that's like honestly <laughs> the the truth of the matter. I don't know that I really had a choice. It was just sort of like a given, and that was okay. I wanted to go. It wasn't like, ah, oh, I'm here and I don't want to be. I wanted to be there, but it was just it was just sort of
1: a Expected, given. Right. What about yes. you, Kate? Uh, I, so I think similarly, like it just never occurred to me that I wasn't going to go to college until I dropped out in the middle of my first semester. <laughs> I remember that. I remember that. <laughs> And that. and yeah, like I like shocked, like every person who'd ever met me. Uh, but I did go back and uh, as either Lori or my brother likes to say, and then you just never stopped. I'm about three terms away from a doctorate. So, and I have essentially oh, two master's congratulations.
0: degrees. congratulations! <laughs> Wow! I quit my doctorate. I was like, I just can't afford this. I don't really know what I'm doing anymore. So, that's amazing. I mad respect. Mad respect. Okay, this is my favorite thing to ask my guests, and I can't wait to hear what you two come up with. And that is, if you had any um, words of wisdom or advice to give any generation, younger, older, to get through the good times or the bad times what would that be? And we'll start with you, Kate.
1: Well, this really applies to everyone of every age from like an infant, well, maybe not an infant, like a toddler all the way up to as old as you can get, which is to take a lot of deep centered breaths and drink plenty of water. I love yeah, that. Kate,
2: Kate's answer to everything is water. Right.
1: <laughs> you right. should probably know that. It's, it, that, you know, when you're a midwife and a doula, that's that's your answer yeah. to a lot.
0: I believe in that. Lori, how about you? So
2: I would say just the fact that I take a lot of comfort in knowing that everything changes. Like change is constant. So when I'm in like a really dark space or dealing with a lot of challenges, and you know, sometimes things feel like it's never gonna be better. It's never gonna be different. I'm so stuck. You just have to remember that. Even if it feels so slow and and so monotonous, much like the pandemic, everything eventually changes. It does. And so you have to have some perspective and be able to center yourself in the knowing that it's not always going to be like this. And that's helpful to me because there have been times where, especially like, you know, when you're in a job that you like really, really hate and you're like, oh, I'm destined for this life. Or when I was a new mom and it was just really hard and I didn't know what I was doing. Like there have just been times where I've needed the reminder, like everything changes and it does.
0: Wow. It so does. Oh my gosh. Kate, Lori, thank you both so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having us, Trish. This this was really exciting. It was great. Thanks for listening. And if you think this is worth listening to, please subscribe, share, and leave a review. Be kind to each other, listen to each other, and let's stop being separated by our differences.